Wow. We're back. We're back with the white vans. Yeah. Wow. We're back um, with a totally different podcast. So it's not even like we're back. We've never, we've <laughs> yeah. never been on here before. Yeah. Wow. Welcome, everyone. Maybe you've come from our other podcast. If you have, it's good welcome. to have you. Yeah. If you're new, welcome. welcome. So are we. So <laughs> yeah. if you're new, so are we. Um, welcome to the podcast, my friends. Welcome to Alive and Well. Ugh, love Damn that it. name. It feels good to be alive it and well. It feels good yeah. to be alive yeah. and well. Mm-hmm. And feels Michaela, good. I cannot tell you how excited I am and also impressed because this name kicks ass and you came up with it. And I'm so grateful that we're doing this podcast, adding to our podcast repertoire over here um, and getting into something that I think we're both really jazzed about. And so I'm really excited. Um, but maybe we should like welcome everyone and tell them what, what we're here to do. Yeah. <laughs> so this is Alive and Well, the podcast. It's a podcast for wellness professionals by wellness professionals, but you don't have to be a wellness professional Mm-mm. to appreciate the podcast. And I guarantee you, you will learn something. And hopefully if you're involved in wellness at all, you'll enjoy bits and pieces of this podcast. And so we wanted to offer this new perspective. I think there's a lot of a lot of wellness podcasts out there. Yeah. I mean, I listen mm-hmm. to so many and it seems like the people who host wellness podcasts come to their podcast with so many different areas of expertise mm-hmm. and so many different perspectives on what wellness is or parts of wellness that, you know, quote unquote count and don't count or, you know, what they should be doing or what people shouldn't be doing. Um, and I think it's hard to kind of sort through some of the bullshit. And it's also hard to kind of create something within the wellness space that is legitimate, that is ethical, that's kind of up to date on what's going on, both kind of with research, but also anecdotally um, in the professional world and kind of creating this space within the wellness industry that will work and work for the long term. And so that's what we're here, here to bring. I think both Michaela and I have a lot of interesting experience when it comes to creating wellness brands, um, producing something that has longevity within the health and wellness space, um, fresh ideas, like I said, um, and just a little bit of a different way of looking at things. And so I think that's what a lot of our episodes will bring is new perspective on maybe some of the topics that are over talked about, and then some things that are really under discussed and 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 not as popular, but need to be. Um, and so I'm really excited about how this is going to work. And I'm excited to bring people along with us as we kind of build this podcast and and really see where we can take it and and what we can bring um, to this little tiny space on the internet and so on small. Instagram. <laughs> so small, <Yeah. laughs> but you know what? It's fine because we are used to small podcasts. Um, if you're brand new, I'm Mariah. And I'm Michaela. Oh. And we are also the hosts of It Burns in a Good Way, the podcast, mm-hmm. along with two of our other wonderful friends, Zach and Ryan. So if you have come over from It Burns in a Good Way, we are happy to have you. Yeah. We're still going to be over there doing our lifestyle content. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over here, we're going to talk specifically about wellness, specifically about the industry and marketing and branding. Um, and it's going to be fun. And it's yeah. going to be specific. 
for all of you people who love wellness, who love the wellness yeah. industry, who watch those TikToks and those Instagram reels of all the girls' morning routines and whatever other BS is going on in the world. We're here to talk about it. Guilty. <laughs> And we'll still have unsolicited opinions for you oh. if you like that part of the podcast. 100%. I can't not. I know. <laughs> so, Michaela, do you want to kick it off and talk about yourself? Sure, all yeah. all the out there. I think that I, um, if there is an outlier, it's me. Like, I, I feel like I'm kind of like elbowing my way into this podcast niche and, and into this space. Um which will make sense as I kind of explain where I'm coming from. And I, I'm really coming from a business and a business marketing perspective and less so as a professional specifically in the wellness space. Um, I currently work at a biotech company. I, I do marketing for them. Um, and um, that specifically, that biotech company really focuses on um, physicians mm -hmm. or clinicians or laboratories. So um, uh, and it's diagnosing, it's diagnostics essentially. And, and, um, while it is technically a B2B company, it's also very much immersed in the medical field. And so I'm watching, um, the medical field, how, um, the general public is approaching things like COVID and that kind of thing. And so while it's, not considered wellness, you could definitely put a wellness spin, um, and, and, and take use that lens when you go into, uh, when I go into work, I, I can take that lens. Um, and then I also an MA, uh, uh, hap happily paying consumer of the wellness industry. I was going to say, yeah, consumers, <laughs> we love consumers. <laughs> take the yoga classes. I follow the Instagram influencers. I, um, so, and, and I think the, um, I'm getting an MBA right now and I'm very much um, something that I, I always describe myself as that like I'm a huge learner. I'm constantly trying to like dig into things and like dissect them to understand them more and be able to um, get a much better understanding of just how things work, especially in business. And I've found myself, especially um, since, you know, becoming close with you, Mariah, you are very much in this industry. And so we've yeah. had really in-depth conversations and there's more to come about, you know, like you giving me this information and then me taking a business perspective and, and trying to analyze it from that yeah. spot that I'm sitting in. And so I think that's where you'll probably hear a lot from me in terms of like, especially topics like um, looking at, I, I I'd like to look at both like big and little, like if you're an entrepreneur, yeah. if you're starting your own thing, like what are things that you can do in a small way that can help your marketing or help your overall business plan? Or, um, I also like to look at big picture stuff, like how it, like from a capitalism standpoint, like how have big companies affected, um, our economy, how have they affected how consumers work, how have they affected how small business owners in the wellness community uh, work? And is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? What can we learn from it? That kind of stuff. So that's what I'm really planning on talking about on my end. Yeah. I was thinking about this earlier, actually, today, as I was kind of looking over this stuff for this episode. And I 
I totally think you have such a unique perspective. And I think this is why this partnership and this podcast is going to work because I'm so glad you think that I told, I, yes, well, <laughs> hello, we have to think that for other people to think that, you know, I'm like, I'm <laughs> so manifesting true. this, yeah. I'm putting it out in the world. Absolutely. But I think for you, for someone who is finishing an MBA, for those who don't know, what is an MBA? Just to give them a little background and then I'll continue to compliment you. <laughs> Oh, I, okay. Oh my God. Don't let me stop you. Yeah. It's um, a master's in business admin- administration um, and I am concentrating in marketing. So most of my class, not most of them, but like there's a good chunk that is focusing on, on marketing, but I'm doing all the economics, all the finance classes, all the, yeah. all that fun stuff. So what I like about that and what I think you can bring, which is different than so many other people in the wellness space, Someone as someone who is seeped in the wellness space, and I've talked to a lot of wellness creatives and people who have these large online brands or want to grow a large online brand and then transition it into a true, you know, entrepreneurial project and create whatever it is, a brick and mortar store or mm-hmm. just something virtual, they avoid the business, right? Either they don't know or they think yeah. of the business as like not in wellness because it doesn't feel like this organic you know, earthy thing, whatever they may kind of see themselves in ideologically. It doesn't always align with marketing and business, but it's really important for them to know, especially if they want to scale their business and grow. And I think that's why we're seeing more and more of these podcasts, which is kind of like the business of wellness podcasts, Mm -hmm. right? Because we know that wellness professionals have something cool to bring to the market. They just don't always know how to get it out there and how to be successful. And so I think having your kind of analysis of like what makes or what has made brands successful and what people can do um, as they kind of enter into this space or continue to to live and work in this space, how can can they continue to grow and, and reach their goals? I'm really excited about what you'll have to bring. I just think that's such a cool concept. And I think that's why this partnership's going to be yeah. really cool because I think you have such a unique perspective. Um, and it does seem like it was, it's, it's unexpected, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and even you said like, at, but as a consumer, someone who has marketing and business experience and is also a consumer, you can bring some really interesting information too, along with me as like a producer of content and someone who has been an acting professional in this space and and studies it. Um, I think that'll be really cool too. So I think so too. There's so much to talk about so much. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm Mariah for those who don't know. Um, and I am jazzed about this podcast because my whole life is this space. Um, I have a PhD in uh, wellness and technology. It's actually in communication, but I specialize in uh, technology, social media, information literacy, health, wellness, um, and influencers and content creation. So I've got kind of a wide range of stuff going on. Um, I am a professor of technology and wellness here in the Midwest. I teach undergraduate and graduate courses on wellness and social media, on digital influencing, on personal branding. So I've got a little bit of everything um, going on. And I'm also a certified personal trainer and a 200-hour registered yoga teacher. I've been a yoga teacher for four years. Um, I teach a variety of formats. And I'm also working on my own online wellness brand. We're kind of starting to build something yoga-related and Pilates-related from the ground up. And so... For me, it's a lot of that production 
of content and, and creation of a brand along with this sort of academic empiric- empirical, I want to say imperial, empirical lens um, that, that I can bring, I think. And something we had talked about earlier was Michaela's ability to kind of bring this um, real world knowledge into the podcast along with my empirical data research, you know, plus production and consumption experience. I mean, we have kind of all of the angles. And so mm-hmm. I'm really jazzed to kind of dig in and and be in this space with you uh, twice a month for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. So yay. <laughs> Y'all, we're so happy you're here. And yeah. go tell your friends about it. I'm Please. sure we'll be posting yeah. about it, but tell your friends about it. We want to create this little family here. Um, I'm sure we'll mention it at the end, but go find us on Instagram yes. at Alive and Well yeah. Pod. Um, we're going to take a little break and we'll be right back. Okay. So we're gonna talk about wellness now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, stop me whenever you want. So. <laughs> oh, for like questions. Yeah. If you, you have know, something. I love to interrupt and ask questions. Please. So I please will. do. <laughs> okay. So we're back and we're going to talk about the primary focus of this episode, which is what is wellness? Or at least what do we think that wellness is? And how yeah. is that going to <laughs> situate our our podcast? Because, you know, I mean, people, I don't know if people know this, but like wellness is kind of a hot topic right now. That's the reason why we're doing this episode. And I think a lot of people have different definitions of what wellness is. And I kind of want to talk about it a little bit. I'm teaching a class right now um, to my students about wellness communication on social media. And our first day we met and we talked about what wellness is and they had a really hard time differentiating it from health, differentiating yeah. it from well-being. And honestly, wellness as a term um, hasn't been around for all that long, but it kind of is a filler for all these different things yeah. in our world that we might experience, that we might purchase, that we might use to supposedly fix something in our body or enhance something in our body. And so I kind of wanted to talk about how I how I think about wellness, how I think about health, and kind of detail a little bit of the history, specifically in the US, because that's where we're based, um, before we sort of move on into these more niche topics um, on Alive and Well. I really want to talk a little bit about just what it is. Um, sometimes wellness is really conflated with health, but for our purposes, I actually want to talk about it as something that is separate. And the easiest way that I've sort of been able to, to separate it out is that health is a state of being, right? You say things like I am healthy. You Mm -hmm. don't say I am wellness, right? Mm -hmm, If you mm -hmm. say I am well, right? Like I am well, like the Mm -hmm. podcast name is alive and well, but what does well mean? Mm-hmm. right? Like we don't necessarily have this empirical data-driven understanding of like what wellness is in our own physical body, but we can kind of state this is a healthy range for X, Y, and Z, right? Wellness in in my understanding and kind of what the research has been showing me is this sort of aspirational concept, especially lately with the um, sort of blow up that is social media and the mm-hmm. internet. I think wellness has shifted a lot since we started talking about it on the internet, which can definitely be something we talk about in the future. Um, but wellness is something that it seems like people are always trying to chase, right? It's something they're trying to reach for. It's this 
purposely or purposeful way of living rather, right? Trying to find a balance between all these different components of your body um, to reach this like overall well-being. But what you're finding is even if you do all these things to reach this certain level, it seems like there's always something else you can do to be more well, right? right? It's never like you reach wellness and it's you're infinite. done. Yeah. 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 And like the last way I kind of differentiate health and wellness is when we think about products, right? So most importantly, this is how it was set up, right? Is health products help you eradicate disease, right? Like you, things that are marketed in a traditional medical sense, Mm -hmm. right? You get tested for this thing and then you're prescribed this medication. That is health, right? That is our medical industry. That is pharmaceuticals, right? And most people see pharmaceuticals as like the opposite of a wellness product, right? We're going to talk about pharmaceuticals and wellness later too, because that is a hot button topic. I'm just saying like what people say, right? Quote unquote, Mm -hmm. we'll break it down later. But the idea of wellness product is supposed to support your body so that you don't get sick, right? Supposed to increase immunity. The problem is when people start to use wellness products to say that they eradicate disease, right? In my personal opinion, when you start to conflate health and wellness products and you say that wellness products will cure you of something, especially when that hasn't been proven, then it becomes an issue. Again. Can you give well, an example? Yeah. Like what kind of product mm-hmm. so, is commonly, do people commonly do? Yeah. So like a greens powder will yeah. help detox your body. Okay. Yeah. And Ooh. fun fact, there's not even really a health product for detoxing. Um, You have kidneys yeah. and a liver for That's that. God's detox. Right? That's God's detox. Like <laughs> you don't need to do, you don't need to do a juice cleanse. Yeah. Right. Like I think eventually we'll do some debunking there, but, and again, one of our goals of this podcast, right. And Michaela, we've talked about this is like not getting like far out of our own realms of knowledge, Mm -hmm. right? As somebody who has a PhD in wellness and tech, specifically in how we communicate wellness through tech, I am not a doctor. I don't have an MD, right? Um, I have a PhD, but I can't really save your life, you know? Different kind of doctor. Right, different kind of doctor. Um, But, you know, (laughs) if you want me to like give you all the communication theories, I can do that just in case you're curious. If that will help um, cure you. I'll do it. Um, I'll oblige. But anyways, like, I think we can still talk about how things are communicated, right? And the the problem is when something is communicated as a cure for something, Mm -hmm. or it will solve this kind of problem, and it's not actually scientifically proven to do such thing, or it's an unnecessary purchase, like a green powder that you drink to detox your body right after a night of drinking that's not what it's like that's not what it's doing right there's no research to support that fact you're spending unnecessary money when your body itself takes care of that detox for you and that's when we talk about capitalism right yeah yeah and we'll talk about that so does that explain it a little bit like when there's a product that doesn't really have a lot of scientific backing and they're claiming it does something when it one does not, and two is entirely unnecessary, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so how does this all date back to like, or where does this all date back to, I guess, is the next place we go. And 
the 1960s-ish, maybe even the 1950s, is when we can see some conversations about what wellness might turn into. But wellness as an empirical concept didn't really come about until 1976. So in 1976, these two dudes, I don't know the other guy's name, but Bill Hetler is one of the guy's names. That's the one I always think of. They created this thing called the National Wellness Institute. And they decided that there are certain components of wellness of what it means to be well, right? Specifically in the United States. And they argue that wellness is made up of a balance between six different things. Emotional well-being, occupational wellness, physical wellness, social wellness, spiritual wellness, and intellectual wellness. Now, the jury's out on whether those things are still the only things that matter, if there are things that don't matter, if Mm -hmm. there are things that we need to add in that matters. I would argue that it's not a super um, diverse approach, right? When you're talking about wellness in the 70s, it's like a whole bunch of affluent white people, right? Like- Or like hippies taking psychedelics, you know? So I think we'll talk a little bit too about how wellness has sort of shifted or not shifted from being consumed by certain groups of people. Um, But even before that, like I said, the 50s and 60s um, really started with kind of anti-smoking campaigns, right? So people started realizing that smoking is actually kind of bad for you. And that became one of the very first what we would consider to be like a wellness campaign, right? To fight for somebody's well-being yeah. is to encourage them to stop smoking, right? Um, and that is a really interesting case that we could always dig into um, as well. But then you also talk about those hippies, right? So at the same time, 50s, 60s, 70s, musicians, right, are really into wellness. They're taking psychedelics. They're They're doing mushrooms. They are going on these sort of creative mental and physical transformations um, through the use of what they would consider kind of the first wellness products, which is a lot of things that come from the earth, right? These natural uh, products that help them have these sort of experiences, right? Yeah. Um, And then when you talk about physical, you're also talking about yoga, right? So 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, Yoga actually came to the United States a lot earlier but it wasn't the same type of yoga that you would assume it to be now. So in the very, very late 1800s, 1893, mid 1890s, yoga ideology kind of started to be practiced here. People from India came over, um, but it was a lot of the stillness, not really like the asanas, the physical movement of yoga, Mm -hmm. right? In 1890, they're not doing it for exercise, right? They're not doing it for aesthetics, it's it's the practice of meditation, the practice of breath, which is what yoga originated as and what many people still believe to be true yoga today, right? It wasn't the physical movement. 50s and 60s, physical movement starts happening. Um, people like Bikram start coming and working with, you know, celebrities through the 70s, through the 80s. And then we really, in the 80s and 90s, start to see that like, quote unquote, corporate yoga culture come about where it's Mm -hmm. focused on hot yoga. It's focused on looking pretty. It's focused on burning calories. Right. Um, and so 
that is kind of where I think we'll probably start in future episodes is like talking about the contemporary wellness industry. A lot of it'll be, you know, 2010s through 2020s. Um, but we might, you know, date back a little bit to the, to the nineties, um, to the two thousands. If we talk about kind of the impact that those decades had on how we think about wellness now. Right. Mm -hmm. And also the fact that wellness used to be sort of the outsiders, right. The, and, and I don't mean that in like a racial or gendered way. I think of that as like people who wanted to live off the land, people who were maybe people we'd consider to be granola or hippie. Yeah. Right. They were the ones who were partaking in these initial, you know, wellness retreats, for example, um, like Yoko Ono. Right. And like, there's all these people who um, came from the music industry who were going on retreats. There's this really amazing book um, called Retreat, and it's by a journalist. It's huge. That's massive. Um, nobody Holy can crap. see this because it's a podcast, but it's a massive, it's massive book. And it's how the counterculture invented wellness. So there's people who kind of believe that. that, like, right? <laughs> there's people who believe that, that you know, counterculture outsiders um, sort of created wellness movements. And then there's also, you know, that more corporate wellness where it starts to get really, really popular and mainstream. And we're definitely in decades in, you know, the last couple of decades where wellness is mainstream, right? And social yeah. media has played a huge role in that. And we'll talk, talk a little bit more about that. Um, but as far as research goes, I mean, we've got research. That one is all about counterculture in, in the 60s and 70s um, and all the way up through 2000. And, and we've got we've got books that have really come out in the last 20 years that are digging into wellness. And especially in the last five years, when you're talking about anti-vax culture and now COVID, um, the wellness industry is is really being expanded and is being looked at with a more critical eye. And I think that's mm -hmm. what we're hoping to kind of look at here. And it's important to sort of know a little bit of the background. I hope that wasn't too overwhelming. I just want to give like a very brief overview. Yeah. So I think um, this is so fascinating. I, and <laughs> like everything you said about the history, I'm like, oh yeah, that all makes sense. But I guess I never really actually, I realized I never actually thought about how long has this been happening and mm -hmm. when did it really start? And I think it's so interesting that like in the late 1800s, yeah. it was really when like, you know, other parts of the world, but when it comes to like the Western mm -hmm. um, history, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I also, uh, the concept of like health versus wellness, like that is really interesting. I feel like you hear that phrase health and wellness mm -hmm. combined mm -hmm. a lot. Um, and I, I I think like that is a lot but I think yeah. that can get confusing and I think I'm probably a little confused right now and and so yeah. I think like when you think of like your health you think of your physical being yes um and I'm curious where like where like you mentioned yoga like where mm -hmm. is that line drawn where it crosses over from wellness to health. And the way that I sort of see it is wellness is like an umbrella and mm -hmm. your health can be considered under that umbrella. And then when you get into, like you mentioned, like diagnosing like a problem and prescribing something for it, then that's really into health yes. and less of wellness. But 
if you can like utilize a prescription in order to regain your health that feels also a little bit like wellness yes. even though the act of having a prescription is not wellness that's health but yes. taking steps to heal your body is seems to me to be wellness so uh, mm-hmm. like I, I don't know if I have a question in there somewhere but that's just yeah. where my head is at is really focusing on that health versus yeah. wellness thing I really appreciate you bringing that up because I think you just explained probably where people who are listening are also confused. And I think this is going to happen a lot, y'all, where like my academic brain is just going to go and Michaela is going to be like, okay, rewind all the (laughs) the very first thing that you said. And I'm going to be like, sorry, (laughs) that's okay. This is what my students do too, because I'm just jazzed. And this is why you're here. And this is why we work well together because you can bring me down to earth a little bit. And I think you can also also... explain it to the people. Yeah. I also was like, I want to let her like, go through it all Mm -hmm. and see if she answers my question because a lot of the times I feel like that happens where like you will answer my question I just need to let you finish yes (laughs) and you are so you are so right in that health is a component right of your overall well-being or your overall wellness rather so that thing from 1976 from the National Wellness Institute like Bill Hetler says physical is part like the physical is part of your wellness. So right. if you are unhealthy, you're probably also unwell. Right. right? Like you you can't continue to pursue your wellness if you have a disease, right? You can, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that may be lower on the scale. And that's something that I'm still working on as kind of a researcher and someone who can be very empirical and and want to kind of have a black and white answer. I have learned through my research and I'm going to continue to pursue this, uh, that it's very nuanced, this space, right? And there's a lot of disagreement on what things are and what things aren't. And something that I've really started digging into is, right, that question I brought up, which is, of these six components, are they actually still legitimate or not, right? Do you think so? You know, at this moment, yes, but I guarantee you they're not defined in the same way. Okay. as they were in 1976. For example, mm-hmm. can you still pursue wellness if you have a disability? Right. Right? Like just because you are disabled, right? Just because you have anxiety and depression. Like I mm-hmm. have anxiety and depression um and I also have OCD, right? Just because I have all of those things and I'm working through them and I am medicated doesn't mean that I'm also not part of the wellness industry and not pursuing wellness, right? Like I can still pursue it, right? And 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 as long as everything is taken care of and I'm taking care of my physical body to the best of my ability, I think that is what wellness is, right? right? Like I'm taking care of my physical body. I'm building friendships so that my social cup is full. I'm taking care of myself emotionally and going to therapy. I have a great job. There's my occupational, right? I'm uh-huh. working through my spiritual. There it is. Like you've got these different areas. And I would say, he says intellectual now. I would consider intellectual to be mental health, right? So you have mental health, emotional health. Your job is fulfilling, you have physical mental and emotional. I would consider them to be different things. Okay. Yeah. And that is something again, that I don't have a ton of, um, right. Research backing on. Like I would love, and here's the thing. I would love to come back and actually dig deep into these six concepts in a future episode and talk about 
examples of those and whether those are still legitimate in our eyes and, and what the research is. Because again, those are coming up on being 50 years old, right? And the yeah. world has changed a lot. And I haven't done enough when we talk about these six components of wellness to really argue for or against them. My inclination is that they all exist in some way, but I'm sure the definitions have changed. And that's the other thing about wellness. I do think that it adapts to fit whatever the individual needs, right? So whatever balance looks like for you is not going to look like that for someone else, which is also why we get into problems when people in the wellness industry say this thing will work because every single person is so different right from their peer. And so there's no guarantee you can say that that will work. And that becomes an ethical issue, right? Um, And sometimes a legal issue. (laughs) So, and I think for me, really it's kind of health is the absence of disease, right? To a certain point. That is what research shows, right? Right. Definition objectively. Yeah. And a lot of times when people think of health, they only think of physical. Now in the last 10 years, I think more and more people are also thinking about mental health, right? But when you initially say the word health, almost everyone immediately goes to the physical body and they aren't as much focused on your mental health, your emotional health. Right. Um, and wellness, you're exactly right. is kind of this overarching concept. And then there are all these small things underneath of it. Um, but then again, there's a difference between the wellness industry and the pharmaceutical industry, which you then detailed in your kind of intro about who you are, right? Like you work in this very medical science based field. And like, there are probably some physicians out there who, who use your products who would say, the wellness industry is full of quacks and we don't trust anything that they say, right? Like a huge player in the wellness industry are chiropractors and tons of MDs hate chiropractors, right? There's all these different um, conversations that are going on. And something that I definitely want to talk about in the future, and we've actually had conversations about this, is if you see problems in the wellness industry, which we do, right? How can you still be a part of it while critiquing it and why is that the best position to be in right like why is that the best spot to be when you can be an active member of something but still see it for what it is and be aware of its shortcomings and then be able to try to fix it and and aid in improving it um i think is such a cool place to be and i think that's where we'll go in the future yeah it's so empowering and it's also like every everything is flawed like literally yeah. nothing is perfect so um i think that's really important to take take in um you got me thinking you got my wheels turning you know and i'm going to get your wheels turning one more time one <gasps> more little yes. one more little Im- yes. piece of information because okay, i go. think this is important to know so when we talk about the wellness industry there's more recent research that's coming out i'm going to shout out a person here because she's a goddess and she's amazing so there is um a scholar of rhetoric and health and wellness is more or less her title her name is Colleen Durkach D E R K A T C H and Colleen is incredible. Um, she is a wellness scholar. I cite everything that she does. And I'm hoping that we'll be friends soon. We have plans to chat in the Fun. near future. So hopefully we'll be able to chat. Um, but she wrote this incredible um, article that turned into a book. 
And her book is all about why wellness sells. Um, That's actually the title of the book, Why Wellness Sells. It just came out in December. So if you're into reading about the wellness industry, specifically um, in opposition of the pharmaceutical industry, highly recommend this book. I'm actually working through it right now because I'm starting a new project um, on something called chemophobia, which we can also talk about in the future, which is the fear, like the unnecessary fear of chemicals, which is hot in the wellness industry right now. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. I I was just going into like an Instagram uh, black hole of Mm -hmm. like clean eating and how that's like now it used to be like so amazing. Everybody's like trying to be clean eating and now Mm -hmm. it's like toxic to say that. Yeah. You're gonna have to tell me all that. I love it. I'm so confused. We just go back and forth. (laughs) So Colleen wrote this incredible book. It's magical. Um, And I would love to read that. Can I borrow that? Um, absolutely you can. Yeah. And the thing is what the reason why I bring this up is because she has this incredible way of explaining like, why is wellness even a thing when we do have health, right? Like we have health. What do we need wellness for? And also how is the way that we talk about wellness? How is that helping it continue to thrive? right? So the words yeah. that we use, how we, how we market wellness products, how we market wellness routines, people who are like wellness celebrities, like how do they continue to, to work together? Right. Yeah. And so basically Colleen argues that there is this thing called the rhetoric of wellness. And there is this cyclical thing that continues to move, right? Like it's a cycle. And so she uses two words to kind of explain this self-generating idea, which is restoration and enhancement. So I'm going to read you the quote that she says first, and then I'll explain it. So she says that wellness discourse, so how we speak about wellness, is predicated on the entanglement of seemingly opposed logics of restoration and enhancement. Those who seek wellness through dietary supplements and natural health products seek simultaneously to restore their bodies, perceived as malfunctioning to prior states of ideal health and well-being, and to enhance their bodies by optimizing body bodily processes to be better than well. The fusing of these two logics creates an essentially closed rhetorical system in which wellness is always a moving target. So it's a huge quote. It's fabulous. So basically what Colleen is arguing and what I totally align myself with at this moment, because I think it's genius, is people seek out wellness for one of two reasons. And typically they end up using both, right? So if you are unwell, they use wellness products to restore their wellness, mm-hmm. right? And that can be for a variety of reasons. Maybe they've tried the medical side of things. They've tried the pharmaceuticals and it's not working for them, right? Um, maybe they don't trust physicians, right? Mm-hmm. They don't trust the medical establishment for a reason uh, relating to their ancestry, right? Like we know the history of mm-hmm. people, you know, testing on black folks, right? Right. That is an understandable, right, reason. We understand um, folks who have a disability who go to a doctor and the doctor doesn't listen to them, right, that they're ignored by the system. And so they move to try to restore their health through wellness products. They get involved with the wellness industry, right? But those people who are already healthy 
the way that wellness rhetoric works is it tells you that you could always be more well, and that's enhancement, right? And what we're finding, which I think is such a valid argument, right, is the people who are the most well-versed and the most sucked in to the wellness industry are people who are already well and who don't need it. Right. Right. Like in theory, I don't need it. Right. Like I enjoy it, but like, that's where we get into some dangerous territory, right. As people who are already healthy going to extremes to become more well, because the wellness industry and the uh, leaders in the industry are telling them that they have to, you know, And so that is how wellness continues to be a thing. That's how the industry continues to grow. Because if people just needed to restore their well-being and the medical field and the pharmaceutical industry was enough for them, that's what they would do. But people are looking for answers outside of those systems, right? Mm -hmm. That is kind of that counterculture mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when you have the world and the media, right. And and I, I say the media with a grain of salt, because for those who don't know, I come from a background of journalism. So I am absolutely not in any way, shape or form anti-media. Right. Like I support journalists. I support the Me news. Either. Yeah. But when I, I think when people say the media, they automatically assume that you're going to speak negatively. But right. Same. When I talk about media in general, yeah. movies, magazines, social mm-hmm. media. Right. Sure. We're seeing representations of bodies and aesthetics and diets and whatever else, right? Like that are continuing to, you know, stoke the fire of the wellness industry. And that isn't going, I mean, that isn't going anywhere, right? That's not going away. No, God, no. And so I love the way that Colleen talks about restoration and enhancement because no matter where you are on the spectrum you'll never get off right like it's always there the wellness industry will always have something for you even if you are super healthy and you have this amazing morning routine and you have all this stuff lined up you can always do more stuff right like why not try tongue scraping or oil pulling right like you go to the dentist twice a year good for you maybe you should do something else yeah like maybe you actually don't have as clean of a mouth as you think. So maybe you should do this oil pulling situation and uh, swish coconut oil around in your mouth for five minutes every single day. You know? Yeah. I, so I, that's what's interesting about it. I don't know. I freaking love it. I think it's so yes. fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And here's the thing. We're, we're here to support people who want yeah. to move into this space. But what we want to do is we want to debunk some myths. We want to show people how they can build brands and build um, you know, companies or whatever it is that they that they want in an ethical and successful way. Because right. what we're here to do is be honest about what the wellness industry is so that we're able to change the trajectory and help people stay well and not spend unnecessary money. Yeah. And, you know, feel comfortable in themselves and and feel like they have these critical thinking skills to be able to make decisions on their own. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it, that's really it. And it's, it's important to note that like wellness is not a bad thing, mm-hmm. right? Like um, it just can be easily manipulated and easily 
toxic if you do not, like you said, have those critical thinking skills as a consumer of wellness, because that's what you are. Like if, if I, I almost everybody in some way, at least in the United States that has uh, access to social media is a target yeah. of wellness. Yeah. Um, and you're a part of it. Um, wellness is not a bad thing, but it has entered the world of capitalism, which can be twisted. And like, I, I'll, I'll talk about all day that like capitalism isn't necessarily a bad thing as a whole. Um, but you know, in this case, like it it can be hugely problematic. Um, and, and it also makes me think about, um, when you talked about that guy who, and he had somebody else who, and they like defined wellness and they, they had those six components. What were they, why were they doing that? Were they, were they trying to sell something like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Checks out. So it technically is a nonprofit organization or at least it is now. I don't know if it was when it was originally created. Um, but the purpose originally was like to connect all of these different business people who are part of the wellness world. Um, and to I give it structure and like, correct. Definition. And yeah. basically giving it standards, right. Yeah. So that it can right. fight up against other, you know, um, disciplines, right. That have maybe more credibility, mm-hmm. right. So it's, it's providing professional development, engaging, you know, opportunities, X, Y, Z, and whatever. And this is something I'm going to say, and I want everyone to take it with a grain of salt. And the next episode, when we come back, I'm going to follow up on this because I'm going to find out where I read this, but I don't remember if it's the national wellness Institute guys, or if it's another set of guys, but there is someone who supposedly came up with the word wellness. I want to say it might be Bill Hetler's partner, which is why I can't find his name anywhere anymore. But he's basically come out publicly and said that he doesn't support wellness and the wellness industry like as a concept anymore because of how messed up it's become in this world of digital and social media. So I will look this up. And the next time we come back and we talk about wellness on digital and social media, I hope I'll have a citation for that. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it because I remember... And I know I read it because I remember being absolutely shocked that like a man who was kind of in charge of creating this wellness term and concept pioneered the industry, uh uh-huh, left it because it's no longer what he expected it was going to be. Right. Huge red flag. Mm -hmm. So next time I'll make a note and we'll talk about that. But I really just, I want to echo what you said, Michaela, in that wellness is not bad. Um, And I was laughing earlier because you do not want to get us started on capitalism and neoliberalism. Um, That might be a little (laughs) bit boring for some people in the world, but maybe we'll- That might be off topic, but we could pull it back somehow. Sometimes we'll have to talk about it because it is a huge part. I mean, and that's the academic in me that's like capitalism, neoliberalism, feminist theory. I want to talk about all these things in relation to wellness. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. If this becomes a real forever thing- you're going to have to let us listen or let us it talk about definitely. it at least once because yeah. we got episodes and we got to fill them with content. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that like, it's worth talking about maybe not as like a, an entire topic as in of itself, but like it, it touches on the wellness industry. Like right. we're, we're speaking on an industry as a business that's a part of capitalism. So 
those time, those like we need to talk about that kind of stuff because it's relevant hugely yeah and that's what we're here to do we're here to talk about relevant topics here to give you some background some information on it here to support those who are trying to build a business and those who just want to know more about the industry that they might find themselves in or they're just stepping their toes into I know it is the new year and a lot of people are trying Mm -hmm. to figure out you know what is or what are all of these different things and, and what do I want to do and, and how do I navigate it? And so we're here to help. Um, and we're really excited to kick this off. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on our Instagram. You can find us at alive and well pod. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. You can also follow us on our individual Instagrams. Uh, if you have any recommendations or any questions related to the wellness industry, we'd love to be able, yeah, we'd love to be able yeah. to interact with you in that way. Send us a DM, uh, on Instagram and we'll be sure to answer what we can, um, and maybe even add some of those questions or topics onto a future podcast episode. Michaela, any final thoughts? This was so fun. So fun. Yeah. That's my final thought. Hopefully we didn't bore y'all. We're going to come back with some incredible episodes. We'll be uploading every other Tuesday. Uh, so we'll see you in two, hopefully very short weeks. Yeah. Thanks guys. Bye friends. See ya.